0: magbabalik ang 5 minutes lang with Season 2 Mas exciting, mas nakakakilig at mas inspiring Hi everyone, this is Bianca
1: Gonzalez
0: Hi everyone, I'm Joel. Hello, I'm Francisco Batuando At marami pang iba Let's talk about dating, growing your career and everything in between 5 minutes long, where we learn how to navigate life from people who've cracked the code. Available soon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kung and kaman Puma Podcast.
1: You're listening to Puma Podcast.
2: Hello, dear listeners. Here's the deal. This is not going to be a funny or light episode.
3: We're going to be talking about real accounts of cruelty and violence. So, this one is coming with a big trigger warning for torture,
2: murder, and military sexual slavery. Be sure to listen to this one first before suggesting it to one of our younger listeners. But definitely listen, because this episode is about war and its victims outside of armed combat. We
3: are going to take an unblinking look at what war can do to a person and talk about, and please hear the heavy air quotes, Comfort Women.
2: These are their stories of being taken prisoner and repeatedly sexually assaulted.
3: These women want their stories told. They want the world to know that this happened, that horror was done to them, so that it never happens to anyone else ever again.
2: Welcome to WhatsApp, Arling Panlipunan Rebooted the podcast that looks at Philippine history with fresh eyes. Today, it's red eyes. Lots of tears shed while we research this episode. I'm Sab Schnabel, a historian and a comedian who has worked for Carlos Eldran, the National Museum of the Philippines, and the Guggenheim in Venice.
3: And I'm Siege Tantenko, reporter and history nerd. Both Sab and I feel a little iffy about the term comfort women.
2: But it's the historical term that is used. So let's start by tracing its origins. The term comfort woman comes from the word yanfu in Japanese, weanbu in Korean, and weanfu in Mandarin. Please pardon my pronunciation. It means something like comforting or consoling woman. Even then, they were finding ways to euphemistically say sexual slaves. Because let's be clear, these women were not willing participants. Many were coerced captured, or tricked into being repeatedly sexually assaulted, and also physically assaulted.
3: While it originated in Korea, the term comfort woman was taken and used by Japanese imperial soldiers.
2: In other countries like Taiwan and Korea, women would answer ads to be a nurse, server, or entertainer, and then they would be subjected to some of the worst conditions imaginable
3: forced to submit to repeated rapes, sometimes multiple times an hour. They were also subjected to forced medical checkups and STD tests to ensure that they weren't spreading diseases.
2: As if they could! As if they had any agency! I mean, there's just so much injustice in this story, it's hard to come up with anything not angry to say.
3: And this is the reality of how some women were treated in the early 20th century. For many people in Asia, World War II started earlier than 1939, which is the agreed-upon date in Europe. Here in Asia, the invasion of China and the outbreak of the Sino-Japanese War in 1937 is the marker for when the war started.
2: Yes, Japan in the early 20th century was an aggressive force that thought, if the West was doing it, we can too, go forth and liberate. So they went about liberating different nations.
3: The Japanese advanced from Korea to China towards what we now know of as Vietnam. Even Taiwan fell under the Japanese banner. And then
2: in 1941, Japan revealed just how far they were willing to go. Hawaii. They were going to provoke the United States, which at the time was claiming to be neutral, biding their time and not joining World War II. In reality, they were already helping the Allies. A lot of these stories
3: are more complicated than the overview we're providing. But there has been substantial scholarship done on the period if you're interested. Basically, Japan conquered a lot of Asia to provide their home islands with resources like metals
2: and gas for them to get through the coming war. They took a lot more than just resources. Part of the service that was offered to their soldiers was comfort, taken at comfort stations throughout the empire, supposedly to boost their morale and reduce random incidents of sexual assault in Japanese-occupied areas.
3: This is your final warning before we get into the heavier parts of the episode. After a quick break, we will be taking an unflinching look at what happened to these women.
2: Comfort women were a reality in the Philippines. It wasn't as rampant or as systematized as it was in other parts of Asia because the Japanese Imperial Army was only here for three years, compared, for example, to the 35 years that they occupied Korea. But all the same, these women suffered horribly during their captivity and after.
3: Now that we've gotten some context established, we'll be calling these women... Lolas, from here on out. This is the preferred term used by those who advocate for their rights. It's a little reminder that they're not
2: defined by what they went through. And it's important to think about how this dark period in our history concerns all of us. This happened to real women, with families, and wants, and dreams, and pets, and fears, and hobbies. Some were in high school. Some were married. Some had barely begun to menstruate.
3: And even after all these years, these women are still in tears when they talk about what happened. Like Lola Narcisa and Lola Estelita.
4: Dadalin ako sa Garison, Gisimok. mo mula ako noon. Sinakay kami na sa truck, dinala kami sa Garison. At pagdating namin sa Garison, bamapa ako sa truck tapos. Penelandra ko dun sa isang bay may kwarto-kwarto. Pagkatapos ng acquire tin and na dumating, may sumulod pa aramdama ko para ako nasakter, ko yung hapun na chakta to barangay akin. Ako sa at over na 100 sa dami na ulan ako nang malay pagkatapos na may mas masarap na uolada hapon.
2: We were told that the lolas generally find it hard to say words like ginahasa. They prefer to say they were detained in the garrisons.
3: Lola Narcisa and Lola Estelita managed to survive because their
2: garrisons were liberated by allied forces. The full video containing Lola Narcisa and Lola Estelita's stories is up on YouTube. Titled, Lola's Reveal the Story of the Filipino Comfort Women by Lila Pilipina. These days, there are very few Lola's left whose voices you will hear telling these stories firsthand. So it's important to listen.
3: Other stories have been preserved on paper too. The next two stories are selections from some of the Lola's written testimonies, as read by voice actors. These were shared with us by the feminist organization Lila Pilipina, who are making sure that these stories are never forgotten.
2: We summarized them, but we wanted you to hear their words, because each of these women found something in the sharing of their story. For some, it was the sharing itself that made them feel better. For others, it was finding community.
5: My name is Lydia Antonio. During the war, I went to visit Bulacan. We passed many Japanese sentries and everyone was obliged to bow to the Japanese soldiers. I wasn't able to bow nicely. The Japanese soldier got angry and slapped me and asked me to bow four times. The other passengers were allowed to go and I was told to stay. I was taken in a military jeep and then we headed toward Pampanga. On our way, The Japanese soldiers picked three more women. We were not allowed to talk to each other. We arrived in San Fernando. We were brought to a big house located along the highway. Inside the house, I saw many rooms and wondered what they were for. I was asked to take a bath. When I was through with my bath, I went to one of the rooms assigned to me. Outside, I saw through the window truckloads of Japanese soldiers falling in line. At dawn, I was awakened by a hard shake. When I opened my eyes, I saw a Japanese soldier already half-naked. He told me to undress. I did not follow his order, and he kicked me. I resisted, but he was so strong that I could not get free. Even then, I continued my struggle. I asked for help, but no one came to my rescue. Every afternoon, Japanese soldiers would arrive in the house and made lines until midnight. The other women in the house... They told me how to distinguish an official from an ordinary soldier. We shared our stories. I was in that situation for one month until it was learned that I was infected with gonorrhea. In January or February 1945, I went to see my stepmother in Barangay Tadlac, Los Baños, Laguna. The Americans were already in the Philippines.
2: She had come to Manila just in time for the Battle of Manila an ugly firefight that destroyed the city forever. Many of Lola Lydia's
5: family were killed in the Japanese retreat. After the war, I went back to Manila and got a job as a sales lady. I lived quite a comfortable life. I entered showbiz in the 60s. I became a bit player but did not have the chance to become a lead actress.
3: Lola Lydia is one of the lucky ones Relatively, She was able to live a life after the war, but many were not so fortunate.
2: Next is the story of Lola Gertrude Balisa-Lisa.
6: During the early part of the war, my husband was assigned as the district engineer of Camarines Sur. And then when a certain bridge was dynamited, the Japanese caught my husband and made him reconstruct the bridge. After the reconstruction, they took me from the house and made him ride with me in one car many times over the bridge, until they were satisfied. This was the first time the Japanese saw me. Later on, my husband was assigned to Legaspi City. My children were left alone with me in the house. This was the time the Japanese came to our house on a military pickup. Bearing the Japanese red sun The military vehicle brought me to Reagan Barracks in Albay They picked up other girls There were at least six of us in one house And then the commanding officer took me in his quarters The officer who knew how to speak English told me You see nothing, you hear nothing And then, when there are visitors They would make me attend to their needs." Almost one year and two months we stayed in that outpost When the Americans came, there was much fighting I escaped I went home to Legaspi City My husband treated me like I had a contagious disease And then my relatives also looked down on me My husband refused to have my children call me mother He separated my children from me My mother died without talking to me. So did my father and husband. During my captivity, I missed my children. I think I endured and lived because I wanted to see my children again.
2: Even though what happened was not her fault, she was blamed for it. By her family.
3: Many women were wrongly accused of being collaborators who willingly subjected themselves to that kind of treatment. It's the reason so many of them took so long to tell their stories.
2: Across the many decades, the Japanese government was able to take over the narrative and deny that this even happened here.
3: But in 1991, the tides began to turn. Kim hak from South Korea gave the first public testimony about suffering sexual slavery on August 14
2: that year. She was already 67 years old. Kim's testimony was the beginning of a new movement. In September 1992, at a press conference, a Filipina came forward with her story for the first time. Maria Rosa Luna Henson, or Lola Rosa, was 65 years old when she first shared her story. What you're about to hear comes straight from her book, Comfort Woman, Slave of Destiny, published in 1996. The happiest moments in my life were when
7: I was with the hook balahap collecting the medicine that I knew would be a big help to the guerrillas. In April 1943, I was asked by my huk comrades to collect some sacks of dried corn from the nearby town of Magalang. One comrade sat with me in the cart. The other rode on the carabao's back. As we approached the Japanese checkpoint near the town hospital of Angeles, the man beside me whispered, Be careful, there are some guns and ammunition hidden in the sacks of corn. I froze. I did not know till then that what we were sitting on were guns. The sentry looked at the sacks of corn Touching here and pressing there without saying anything. Finally, he allowed us to pass. But after we had gone 30 meters from the checkpoint, he whistled and signaled us to return. The soldier raised his hands and signaled that I was the only one to come back. I walked to the checkpoint, thinking the guns were safe, but I would be in danger. The guard led me at gunpoint to the second floor of the building that used to be the town hospital. I saw six other women there. I was given a small room with a bamboo bed. The room had no door, only a curtain. Japanese soldiers kept watch in the hall outside. That night, nothing happened to me. The following day was hell. Without warning a Japanese soldier entered my room and pointed his bayonet at my chest. I thought he was going to kill me, but he used his bayonet to slash my dress. I was too frightened to scream, and then he raped me. When he was done, other soldiers came into my room and they took turns raping me. Twelve soldiers raped me in quick succession, after which I was given half an hour to rest. Then twelve more soldiers followed, They all lined up outside my room, waiting for their turn. The next morning, I was too weak to get up. A woman brought me a cup of tea and breakfast. I wanted to ask her some questions, but the guard in the hall outside stopped us from saying anything to each other. My mother would tell me later that the hooks assaulted the rice mill at night to free their imprisoned comrades. They found me there still chained, And they freed me as well. One guerrilla carried me with him as the soldiers pursued him. Unable to carry me any farther, the hook dropped me in a shallow ditch on the roadside. Fortunately, Anna, my mother's cousin, lived nearby. She informed my mother, who promptly came to get me. It was January 1944. I had been held captive as a sex slave for nine months. I regained consciousness only two months after I was rescued from the garrison. I found myself in my mother's house. I wept when I saw my mother's face. I wanted to speak, but no words came from my mouth. I did not say a word for a long time. But in the end, she did speak,
3: and it was her words that encouraged other lolas to speak as well.
2: It was Lola Rosa Hansen that started the ripples that sliced through the silence these women were suffering under.
7: I was in tears as I told my story. It was very difficult for me to relate what I had been through, but it was also a great relief. I felt like a heavy weight had been removed from my shoulders, as if thorns had been pulled out of my grieving heart. I felt I had recovered my long-lost strength and self-esteem. I felt better when I returned home. I kept asking Rosario, my daughter, if she still respected me even after she had heard the secret that I had kept for 50 years. I love you even more, she answered.
3: Not all women have
7: as supportive a
3: family, but the Lolas have since stood by one another, saying,
2: me too. At the end of her book, Lola Rosa talks about the other Lolas she met after speaking out.
7: Nelia Sancho brought all of us together in a house in Quezon City. Gertrude saw me as I entered. She got up and embraced me. Lola Rosa, she said tearfully, You are my inspiration. I hugged her back and said, I'm so happy you too came out with your story. I met the other women Lola Atanasia Cortez, Amonita Balahaja, Tomasa Salinog, and Francisca Macabebe. We had dinner together, after which we sat around to tell each other our stories. I saw that we had many bitter and painful experiences in common. Their stories firmed up my decision to go public. I realized that my role was to serve as an example to other survivors of wartime sex slavery who may still be ashamed to come out with their experience.
0: Magbabalik ang 5 minutes lang with Season 2. Mas exciting, mas nakakakilig, at mas inspiring.
1: Hi everyone, this is Bianca Gonzalez.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Joel. Hello, I'm Francisco Cabatuando. At marami pang iba, Let's talk about dating, growing your career, and everything in between. Five minutes long, where we learn how to navigate life from people who've cracked the code. Available soon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Husa and Kaman Pumo Podcast.
7: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm
2: breeze, relax,
7: and think about
2: work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow, wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. During their captivity, the Japanese kept the women they took prisoners separate. They kept them from talking to each other because they knew that there is strength in community.
3: And now that these women have found each other, they aren't letting anything stop them from fighting to have their stories told and acknowledged.
2: And they've had some help. This community of survivors started coming together with the help of Lila Pilipina, which was established in 1992. These
3: volunteers have heard these women's stories and are making sure their legacy
2: is not snuffed out by those who would deny them. We spoke to Lila Pilipina to find out more about the plight of the women after the war and what we can do to help them.
1: I'm Sharon Cabusao silva I'm current coordinator for Lila Pilipina, which is also known now as the Lila Filipina Center for Justice and Remembrance. So itong office ng Lila Pilipina also served as a home for some of the LOLAs during the early 2000s. The first time that we heard about comfort women was when Nelia Sancho at the time attended an international conference in South Korea. That was the time that the first three South Korean women came forward to tell the public that they had been military sex slaves of the Japanese Imperial Army during the time that Japan occupied Korea. This was in December 1991,
3: a few months after Kim Hakson first shared her story. At that time, Kim and two other women filed a lawsuit against the Japanese government known as the Case on the Claim for Reparations for Korean Victims in the Pacific War.
1: Several months later, there was an article that appeared in the Philippine Daily Inquirer, a document that was unearthed by this Japanese representative Hideko Ito, I think was his name, The document contained a list of several names of Filipino women who were being treated for sexually transmitted diseases by, I think it was a Japanese doctor. It also contained the sketch of a house in Iloilo City. It was identified as a comfort station. So, when that news came out in the newspaper, Gabriela, through Nelia Sancho and also several other organizations, formed the Task Force on Filipino Comfort Women precisely to help identify the victims. So, they came out with an open call on radio for Filipino, for victims no, of the Japanese Imperial Army in World War II to come forward. And one of those who first responded, mid-1992, Lola Maria Rosa Henson, and she told her ordeal no, before a group of journalists. And also they decided to call on other Filipino women who had become victims. And that period sort of opened the floodgate for many women to come forward. Other
3: brave lolas followed suit, sharing their experiences through stories and
1: poems and art. But not everyone supports the telling of this history. Some of the lolas even got to travel to Japan to, you know, do some public speaking uh, about the issue. And even very recently, there were also cases of Japanese and South Korean artists who did an exhibit on the Filipino comfort women issue. Tapos, alam yung Japanese government, there was an anonymous call that the gallery owner received yata, that the, they would burn down the gallery if they did not put down the exhibit. Oh, yung mga photos. Some of those photos were photos of lila Pilipina women. Or they demanded that the exhibit, that section of the exhibit, be closed down. Uh, walang nagawa yung mga artists. They had to put off the exhibit. Then there was a letter from mga artists and uh, you know, people from the cultural field in Japan exposing what happened
2: and opposing what, what the Japanese government did. Reports of these exhibits being closed down have made international news over the years, such as in Tokyo in 2012 and Nagoya in 2019. Japanese history education
3: has been quite complicated. The study, titled Examining the Japanese History Textbook Controversies, written in 2001 by Kathleen Woods Masalski for Stanford University, describes the Japanese Ministry of Education's rejection of a history textbook that contained, quote, "...too many illustrations of the dark side of the war, such as an air raid, a city left in ruins by the atomic bomb, and disabled veterans." These
2: textbooks remain a battleground for historians and advocates who want to tell the truth about the war and conservative groups who want to paint Japan's past in a more positive light. Only six years ago, in 2017, a history textbook used by 50 junior high schools in Japan was reportedly published without mentioning the 1937 Nanjing Massacre or the Comfort Women system. The Japanese
1: youth now do not really have any idea about Japan's role in World War II. And we have had cases where uh, some Japanese youth would come over to the office and when they got to meet the lolas, the Filipino comfort women, and nadinig nila yung mga stories, they were really, really shocked because they said it was a very, very different
2: narrative in Japan. And to add insult to injury, Japanese conservatives claim that these women benefited from their enslavement that they had any sort of agency in what was done to them. Which makes me want to tear all my hair out.
1: The accusation of some Japanese right-wingers and scholars who are supported by Japan is that these women were paid. You know, they were actually prostitutes and they were not sex slaves. Which is an entire, entirely deceptive statement. Kinuha sila against their will and then they were gang raped. But at some point, as one of the Lola's had said, um, we had to survive because we had families, we had you know parents and siblings that we knew were looking for us. Some of them became mistresses of Japanese officials. In the word of one of the Lola, she said, "Kasi it was easier for us at that time to assent to this annals that, uh, you know, being a mistress of a Japanese official because that afforded us some privileges. In fact, the case ni Lola Rosa Henson, she was able to warn a town in Pampanga about the, um, yung paglusog ng mga Japanese kasi nagkaroon siya na isang occasion where she was able to pass on a message to some of the Filipinos who were passing by the garrison. At nang nangyari nga Inbes na ma invade yung town na yon, nakapagplano the yung guerrilla movement, na sila yung nagraid dun Japanese garrison. Yung iba naman sabi we are able to save other Filipinos. Pero kung may choice kami, hindi namin gagawin yon.
2: World War II was one of the most destructive wars in history, and these lolas were forced to fight in more ways than one. They fought to survive, but they also fought their domination. They spied on Japanese soldiers despite the risk and everything they endured. They would spirit away any intelligence they could find and used it to help where they could.
3: Make no mistake, they didn't choose their circumstances. But once they were at the garrison, they had to do what it took to survive. There are so many heartbreaking stories of sacrifices we hope none of you ever have to make, but these women made them. Then they lived with the trauma for 50 years without ever sharing the burden. So about now, you might be wondering where you can send these women anything they need. And we will get to that. But there are a few more things you have to
2: know before we give you that. Because we can do more than just make old age easier on these women. We can continue their fight for justice. And many do. There's this international campaign that's being made by 14 NGOs,
1: including Lila Pilipina, na dapat maging bahagi ng Memory of the World program ng UNESCO, ito materials ito. But of course, the Japanese side is resisting. In fact, they
2: have in, been interfering with the process. On the other hand, the Lolas do have allies among Japanese citizens too. Ordinary people who,
3: without being asked, will apologize to a Filipino for what the military has done even if the burden isn't personally on them.
4: How do
1: the Japanese citizens define reparations?
3: Like, what for them
1: would justice constitute? Number one, talaga yung sincere atonement um, for everything that they did. Individual compensation from the government. And then there were also calls and campaigns for the comfort women issue to be included in Japanese history teachings and textbooks. And
3: on a more important note, we ask, what do the lolas want? What are they
1: asking for? First is a formal, public, official apology from the Japanese government. Not the kind of apology that was extended by the Japanese state leaders in 1992 that were not backed up by state policy, not backed by any legal or social measures that would make the apology sincere and concrete. There are
3: four public apologies on record that were made in 1992 by then Prime Minister Miyazawa Kiichi and then Chief Cabinet Secretary Kato Koichi of Japan. There is another quote-unquote open letter that was written in
2: 2001. But it's the support of social measures and policy where these apologies fall flat. Especially compared to countries that take their dark pasts more seriously.
1: In Germany, for instance, di ba yung ko compare yan dun sa Holocaust? Nung ang Germany not only apologized publicly, nag offered sila among war reparations. There are even laws, I think, that prohibit uh, German citizens from even ridiculing, no, yung yung issue, yung tumawa kang lang dun sa mga museum nila. It's not something that's even culturally acceptable. Eh. Pero walang mga ganun dun sa Japanese government. So, kaya 'yon ni reject pa ng
2: mga lola natin kasi ang sabi nila, hindi naman ito yung apology na gusto namin. There have been some funds set up that have helped ease the suffering of the lolas, but it hasn't been as big of a help as they hoped. And even
1: when the Asian Women's Fund was set up early 1990s, Sinasabi ng Japanese government na, no, payad na yung reparations kasi nagkaroon na ng Asian Women's Fund. It's not true. Because the funds for the AWF came also from Japanese citizens and corporations who were already doing it even before the AWF was set up. Tapos sinetap nila yung AWF, um, nasabi nila from the Japanese government through the Philippine government in-exclude nila yung mga NGOs who started the campaign in the first place. So Lila Pilipina did not have a hand no, in the management and administration. Um, there were a total of how many victims that were uh, listed there. Hindi lahat galing sa Lila Pilipina. The only thing that uh, Lila Pilipina did at that time was to assist those lolas who did say yes to accepting funds from the AWF on the basis of you know we are very poor we're very old we don't have money even for medicines so kumbaga ito naman galing naman ito sa mga japanese citizens bakit hindi natin tanggapin. the awf
3: was set up with government funds but it also relied heavily on the efforts of private citizens who contributed what was called atonement money and oversaw the
2: operations the number of women who suffered sexual slavery in the Philippines is somewhere between 400 to 1,000, according to different sources. Of that number, it's estimated that 100 Filipinas received compensation? The
3: fund ran its projects in the Philippines from August 1996 to August 2001. Nearly six years later, in March 2007, the fund was dissolved. Meanwhile, the lolas who are with us to this
2: day still need institutional support and care. In the end, the real solution to the horrors of war is a world without it, if we can get there. Dapat tumigil na yung paggamit sa mga kambalihan.
1: Dapat tumigil rin yung lahat ng klase ng gera ng pananakop. Mean all nations should be able to exist peacefully and on equal terms with each other. Hindi dapat na nanakop ang kahit na anong bansa.
3: long after the smoke has cleared and infrastructure is rebuilt, there are
2: still scars that will never fully heal. But facing what happened has helped an entire generation of women. These women who went through hell are on a mission to tell their stories and make people remember. It's a mission that more people, more institutions need to share. Hopefully, whatever the Lolas have done
1: will serve as an inspiration. And I say legal stepping stone for more responsive laws um, and more protective laws for women.
3: Amid all this work by the LOLAs and the organizations that stand with them, support from the Philippine government has been symbolic at best. While various Filipino presidents have acknowledged apologies from the Japanese government since 1992, the Comfort Women Compensation and Benefit Act has not yet been passed into law, despite being filed in 2004, 2013, and
2: 2019. And just this month, the UN Committee on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, or CEDAW, found that, quote, the Philippines violated the rights of victims of sexual slavery perpetrated by the Imperial Japanese Army during the Second World War by failing to provide reparation, social support, and recognition commensurate with the harm suffered. The decision
3: is the result of a 2019 case filed with CEDAW by 24 members of a survivor's group called the Malaya Lolas, who had been lobbying for the Philippine government to support their claims for reparations against the Japanese
2: government. But our government has maintained that it could not claim compensation for the Lolas after ratifying the 1956 Treaty of Peace with Japan. All this while having programs and benefits for Filipino war veterans who are mostly men. We don't know at this point how the government will act on the CEDAW
3: decision. But now, we're watching. As an individual,
1: there is something you can do to help the Lolas. Please contact us on Lila Filipina Facebook page. Um, they can help dun sa social media campaign at malaki naman yun na itutulong ng mga social media campaigns na yun. you know they can do pub mats they can write statements publish story ng or is a quote from a lola or from Philippine history just to keep the story alive some youth groups have also raised funds for the lolas very small amounts lang naman whatever they can nagre raise sila tapos you know we we buy whatever uh, diapers milk dunyan para sa mga lola and then they can also organize um, education discussions in their own schools or sa kanilang mga communities. So maraming maraming paraan na makakatulong sila. kahit sino naman very welcome ang tulong para sa si ating mga lola at sa Lila Pilipina. We need to show those who
3: would deny this atrocity that we believe these women we've inherited this fight and we will keep it alive. By the way, Lila Pilipina stands for Liga ng Mga Lolang Pilipina. It's time to join the league. It's time for Kwento Corner where we talk about something hopeful in the story that feels like a bit of light in the darkness.
2: Hopefully it puts a little smile on your face.
3: We're talking about the part of the story that is the
2: best thing we've heard. And that is how these women were described when they get together. Kapag
1: sila, that's when they are so noisy.
3: Noisy is not how we expected the lolas to be described, but they like to tell
2: jokes and stories to laugh and catch up. These are not broken women. They aren't silent and sullen and shell shocked. They're singing and chatting and living their lives out loud. Their connection helped them stand up for each other. And now, you're a part of it. It's time that we get loud for these women
3: because while they have been demanding recognition for decades,
1: they are still fighting. But anytime you ask them, "Olola, oh, may rally tayo ah, sa Japanese embassy ganyan." Kahit na barely nakakasalita na sila or nakakarinig, they will always see tataas nila yung face nila. Esto kumamama, gustok-sumama parang diyan nung sa nila.
2: These are women who went through the worst hell imaginable. And all they want is an apology and an acknowledgement that what they went through was unimaginable. And maybe, just maybe, because we know it happened, we can prevent it from happening again. But we won't ever get there if we forget these stories. The struggle
3: continues. And now, it's our turn to raise our fists for these
2: women and say, We know what you did. And we won't forget. Thank you, Lolas, for bravely sharing your story. Let's have the courage to take it from here. Class dismissed. Subscribe to WhatsApp, Areling Panlipunan rebooted on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. How
3: are you helping preserve stories from our history? Talk to us on Twitter at History Rebooted, on Facebook.com slash History Rebooted, and on Instagram at History.Rebooted. Once again, I'm Siege dantenko Puma Podcast. I'm on social media at Siege the Day, C-E-E-J the Day, because I think you
2: should seize the day. And I'm Sab Schnabel, Puma Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Sabrina Schnabel, that's S C H N A B L, rhymes with fable. Many, many thanks to Lila Pilipina for the source materials that helped with our research for this episode. And of course, thank you to Anita Seldran, Julian Hoven, and Bubbles Magpayo for lending your voices to the Lola's written testimonies. This episode of What's Up, Arling Pandipun and Rebooted was produced by Nina Toralba and edited by Joe Salcedo. Art by Trix Casilian.
7: magbabalik
0: ang 5 minutes lang with Season 2 Mas exciting, mas nakakakilig at mas inspiring Hi everyone, this is Bianca Gonzalez Hi everyone, I'm Joel. Hello, I'm Francisco Batuando At marami pang iba Let's talk about dating, growing your career and everything in between Five minutes long, where we learn how to navigate life from people who've cracked the code. Available soon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kung saan Pumo podcast.